live long and prosper. I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Lilu Dallas Multipass. Shut up and take my money. By Grabthar's hammer. <laughs> what a saving. One does not simply walk into Mordor. X never, ever marks the spot. Winter is coming. You're a wizard, Harry. Stay a while and listen. My whole committee frog here. ties are cold. So say we all. This is a play on nerds. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 109 of A Play on Thirds. This week we bring you a spectacular, a deep dive. <laughs> you'll get it. You'll get it in a moment, folks. We'll be deep diving <laughs> I just into Aqua into Aquaman, <laughs> uh, which is coming to theaters very shortly here for the holiday season. Uh, we're gonna tell you about the history and origins and powers, and we're just gonna get into it. It's gonna be great. Absolutely. And uh, first off, yeah. I'm Steve and I'm Jarman and we're here. We're going to co-host this together. It's going to be a good time. Like it always is. Yeah. A whole uh, a nice, hopefully long episode of talking about too much Aquaman stuff. Oh, and fish. It's going to be great. Fish. Everyone loves fish. You're going to hate us by the end. <laughs> oh, boy. So what have you been up to, Steve? Uh, Not too much. Had an eventful weekend with ups and downs. Uh, Friday night when we were originally going to record this, we went to a downtown tree lighting thing in San Jose and it was rainy and cold. Uh, the, there's all these, um, like publicly set up Christmas trees. It's like a fundraiser thing where like a school can buy a tree and then decorate it. And it was clear that a lot of people just didn't show up to decorate their trees because it was rainy and cold. Oh. So there were a lot of like sad, bare, barely decorated trees. <laughs> it's like Charlie Brown Christmas. Um, and then we're, you know, you got people with kids everywhere just standing in the rain and Santa comes. And they can't get the tree to light. <laughs> they were standing in the rain. And it takes them, it took them 25 minutes beyond the what they said was going to be the lighting time to actually light it. Everyone was so miserable and angry. And then when they lit it, it wasn't like a big eventful light up. It like there, it was like LED strips Yeah. and they did like this intricate pattern thing and like ran zigzags and stuff, which was cool. But for that big moment when you wanted the tree to light up, it was so anticlimactic. <laughs> oh no. Um, Even the old 1950s bulbs, man. Right, right. Well, I just wanted one big burst of light. You know, that's what you want for a tree lighting. And it just didn't. It was like, yeah, red zigzags. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so that was okay. It was still fun. We got to go and go together and a family holiday outing. cheer and whatnot. Uh, but it was cold and wet and miserable. Uh, and then Saturday night. Um, so my, my Dungeons and Dragons group basically just got delayed like three months. Uh, until our next game session, holidays. just for various reasons, uh, holidays, and then we were already. It's, it was going to be two months, and then our GM was like, "Oh yeah," and I just got told I've got to move. It's beginning of February, so you know, next time is going to be mid February. I can play. It was just a lot of things all at once. So me and my office mate who play together, um, who's also in the group, kind of got an itch. We wanted to play, and I said, "Well, I've been thinking about hosting Dungeon World." Mm-hmm which I mentioned before, uh, do you want to do that? And he said, sure. So I got Anna in on it 
Ooh, the wifey. Mm-hmm. And a guy, another guy we worked with named Peter and threw together a session on Saturday night and played for a few hours and had a good time. And I, and I DM'd my first session. How did it go? It went okay. Some good learns. <laughs> Some teaching Some moments. good learns. Some teaching moments. Um, I really learned that, like, sometimes the roles beat you. What do you mean? So, like, I set up a lot of NPCs. Um, non-player characters. Not for non-player characters. Um, and I knew what health they were going to have going in and stuff. And I, you know, I didn't let that float. I, I had an exact amount in my head, but my players just kept doing maximum damage. Like they just kept hitting good rolls. And so guys that I expected to be up for a while were just gone. Oh, geez. That's always disappointing. Um, right. So there was like a guy being guarded by these two thug bodyguard types and, uh, our soldier, our, our fighter, um, rolled really well and destroyed the guy in one hit. And I was like, okay, you take his face and you just smash it in the table and he's gone. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino there's style. Just, there's just pieces of Bruce everywhere. Um, so just those sort of learns of like, yeah, you can never really predict what the dice are going to do and you got to be able to roll with it. And, but I had a good time. Nice. And next time you'll do even better. I hope so. Is it just a one-off or you can do it again? Um, I, I was mentally prepared to do it as a one-off because I didn't know if Anna was going to like it. It was my first time DMing. I didn't know if I was going to like it. Uh, and I enjoyed it and everyone seemed to enjoy it and has said that they will play again. Did you do fun character voices? Uh, I did some, I accidentally kind of overlapped a few. <laughs> I could see that happening. Uh, but yeah, I did like, uh, like L- Lorenzo, a hoity toity trader whose cart they were guarding <laughs> on their trip. I am Lorenzo. And it was decided that uh, that from his from his society, the mark of like a well-to-do gentleman was extremely high gloves. <laughs> All the way up to your like your <laughs> like, like gloves that replace sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> so so Lorenzo was constantly just getting upset and straightening his gloves and pulling them up as hard. <laughs> That's adorable. Um, the beauty of Dungeon World is you know you get you let your players make a lot of those decisions, and so. They kind of build the world. So they made that decision? Yeah. That's uh, well, cause, and then I try to say, like, you know, uh, you know, we establish backgrounds for the characters. Oh, Jack, your character is from this land or has, has visited this land per your backstory. What is a sign of their well-to-do people there? <laughs> they have gloves so, that replace sleeves. Right. And later on, I needed... Uh, the name of a city in a different country that one of my characters had defected from. Uh, and so he was the one who got to make that call because his character was from that land. Nice. I like the way that works. I could probably do that too. Yeah. Uh, sincerely check out dungeon world. Um, it's spectacular. Like, it's really, it, it's the first game I've seen where it doesn't feel like the dungeon master versus the players. Everyone is like working to build a story. I like that. Right. Versus sometimes with, with, you know, D and D it can really feel like a battle and you'll do like so much work probably. Oh yeah. That's not what this is about. Um, uh, Sage Latora, who's one of the founders of the game, uh, developed the system called fronts that, um, are just, it's just a framework to break down the components of a story within. And then 
with just a few basic components, you can really be free because you didn't plan too much. Nice. Kind of leaves, leaves it you open. Have, you have enough to get the branches of your story, but how you get through those branches is entirely up to the group, basically. Right. I'll have to look more so into like it. A, Listen to that podcast yeah. more. Oh, yeah. Uh, and also Spout Lore, which I probably, I think I advised a radical recommend, but Spout Lore, they played Dungeon World and it gives you a really good idea of the mechanics. Nice. I listened to one episode and it was fun on the way back from Dragon Con. So I'll have to listen to some more. Oh, man. I'm on season three now. So good. It's three seasons. Man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was my week. I went to, we went, we got cold and wet and went to a tree lighting thing <laughs> and then played some I played in a fantasy, played in a fantasy world for a few hours. Well, I'm pretty excited because my DM, uh, wants us to restart the campaign. I think I mentioned that last episode. So, okay. but he's left it open to all the books so we can do whatever we want, basically as long as it's in a book and not, um, unearthed arcana, which is kind of like the stuff people are kind of workshopping, but it's not an official book yet. Uh, right. so anything but that. So it's kind of fun just kind of starting from scratch in this new campaign. And he's given us the hint that it's going to be a long dungeon crawl after level five, five to level 20 will be in this huge sprawling dungeon. So that kind of helps okay. you pick out what kind of character you want to make. Somebody you can see pretty well in the dark. Somebody has good dungeoneering skills of some sort um, and kind of mesh with the rest of your group. So we're meeting up pretty soon to have like a drinking session where we just kind of chat and uh, have some wine and all discuss what kind of characters we want to make and, uh, just kind of figure it out, which is going to be a lot of fun. Right, can, can, if you can use anything, can I make a recommendation? Sure. Warforge, dude. I just saw them in a new book. Yeah, they look pretty cool. Warforge are, they, from a racial point of view, they have the most benefits besides maybe the, like, the race that can fly. Yeah. Besides that race. <laughs> Way to go play that. Um, um, they have the most utility built into their race, the most ability you can, by preparing for your day, change what armor you're wearing effectively at any given moment. Oh, I thought you had to do that at the beginning and you're stuck with it. Maybe I could have sworn that it was an action you could take. Well, you might be but right. Either way you can, but the, the fact is that with them, you can take their race and shape it to whatever play style you want. Right. I was kind of deciding also uh, thinking about it, a deep gnome just because it'd be fun to play. There are actually these gnomes that are born in the dark. So they're, and they're not inherently evil. They just kind of look funky. So people think that they're evil, but they're not. But they have 120 dark visions. They can see really far in the dark. And that's better than most any other kind of race that's playable. Um, and they're just silly looking and funny. And they, they're good miners. So I thought it'd be kind of a fun character to play. <laughs> uh, other thing, does your uh, DM let you take the like uh, feet uh, optional rule? Uh, well, like just, human? just for human. Yeah, I actually asked him about that, too, because I want a lot of skills. And I was thinking if I could... Uh, do the feet for skills and I just have tons of skills as a human and be like a dungeoneer Indiana Jones type. So I was thinking about that. Okay. Um, if you want to do that, you should take a look. There are some really good builds of um, Bard. That's true. So uh, yeah, what you do is you take a, a level dip in rogue, you get expertise. So you get double your proficiency bonus and two skills of your choice. And then on top of that, when you get barred, when you get to the College of Lore, you get to choose another three skills. That's true. Then at level four, you get to choose even more, or level two maybe, you get to choose even more expertise as things you get double your proficiency bonus in. So maybe I shouldn't even do, uh, I can still that, do Deep Gnome and do that. Yeah, that mixed with the Jack of All Trades um, feat where you get half your proficiency bonus across all skills means that you you aren't going to roll lower you're going to have a plus three, four, or five in almost everything. And then the skills that are charisma-based, you're going to be plus eight, plus nine, plus ten. 
I will think about that. Is Jack of all trades in a different book? Cause I didn't see that in the main book. Uh, no, it's one of the bards major skills thing. It's a level two. Oh, it's skill. a bard thing. Okay. That's what it is. Not a feat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, additionally, bards have some really crazy flexible casting and, um, with Prestidigitation and Mage Hand, you have some really great role play tools to throw around as well. Um, but yeah, the know it all, the know it all bard is spectacular. That'd be pretty awesome because I want to play like uh, an Indiana Jones with a whip, even because there's a whip you can use and kick people with some with slight it. with some slight adjustments to that build. You can also make what's referred to as the social god build. Social god. Yeah. So um, if you get uh, deception, intimidation, persuasion, and insight. Uh, with your two level dip in rogue, you can do uh, you get double your proficiency in deception and intimidation. And with the expertise from Bard, you do it with um, insight and persuasion. So you get double your proficiency bonus on those plus your charisma modifier. So for the f- like f- f- four main social skills, you've got a plus 10, plus 11, plus 12. <laughs> As starting off, basically. <laughs> right, 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 at low levels. Right. Um, so d- to check it out, because both the, the, the do it all and the know it all are probably the way to think of it. <laughs> well, anyways, D and D talk. We probably bored some listeners. I apologize for that. But all right, all right, mom, you can come back now. <laughs> but I know some I know of our listeners have played it in the past or are currently playing it, so they could be interested. Um, but beyond that, uh, I was telling Steve before the show that I got a twelve book audiobook series, and it's a book series that was made into major motion picture. Um, it's uh, I'm really excited about it. I can't really say what it is yet until it's basically out. Um, but it's very uh, exciting. It's paying my rent for the was, next couple months. <laughs> it, it was an exciting title. I will vouch for it. I knew the thing that Jarman is going to be doing the, the, like a 12 book series for, which is just incredible. Just want to tease you guys out there, but uh, I'm excited. And uh, then I went to a Hanukkah party, which was a lot of fun. Oh, I've never been right. to a Hanukkah was, uh, party. Zach and his girlfriend, right? Right. Um, our old high school friend, Zach, is with his current girlfriend is Jewish. And we went to the party and I wasn't sure how how Hanukkah-y it was going to be, because you never know. <laughs> but we, sure. we get there, the house smells delicious because they're making latkes, these potato pancakes. And oh, a- afterwards, you put either sour cream and chives on them, or you put um, applesauce. applesauce. And yeah. her sister was actually putting applesauce and sour cream and chives. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. But they were delicious and terrible for you. Um, and then we had uh, the lighting of the menorah. And they actually got out their phones, her and her sister, and actually sang the prayers. And then they told us all about what Hanukkah was meant and what it was all about. Um, and there's actually a reason they make latkes on Hanukkah. It might be a reason they kind of made up as a joke, or maybe it's actually the reason. But uh, because the whole idea was that they their temple was destroyed, and they're trying to keep the eternal flame going. Um, but they were running out of oil, and they only had enough oil for one day, but yet the candles burned for eight days. So it was a miracle. And said it's all about oil. They say that's why they make latkes because they fry them up in oil. <laughs> but that could be a be interesting. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun and seeing an old friends and stuff like that. So it was it was good times. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much been my update. Oh, for good. The week. That sounds lovely. It was lovely. No no raining uh, Christmas trees for me. <laughs> yeah, man, that was sucky. <laughs> that was so sucky. So that brings us to some nerdy news. It does. It's time for. Nerdy news. Yeah. All so what right. you got this week? You got a name this time? <sighs> nah, dude. I'm kind of <laughs> past that. I was, that was my younger days. Your I think I'm past days. that now. <laughs> oh, um, boy. So Dune, the movie, is getting a remake. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, and it's been really cloaked in mystery. They've been playing it really close to the chest who involved, who's involved and who they're looking at, but they finally announced who the cinematographer is going to be. And, um, cinematographer really dictates the feel and the style of the film. And it is, uh, Greg Fraser, Greg Fraser, who did rogue one. Oh, that was a beautiful film. Yeah. So I would expect kind of like a down to earth, gritty, gritty, real feeling Dune film, which kind of makes me excited for the tone. But that's how the first one felt. And it was great. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, uh, it, cinematographer news. Yeah. Uh, the last two James Bond films have very much been credited their success uh, and the beauty of the films with the cinematographers they chose. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, this next one for Bond 25 is uh, the cinematographer they've announced is Linus Sengren. Sounds who familiar. did both American Hustle and La La Land. Also pretty films. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not, but pretty films. I'm not sure how I feel about them in a Bond setting. Yeah. Though. It's kind of an interesting choice. Like flamboyant, cool, but very, I don't know, retro feeling almost. I'd be cool yeah, with that if they feeling. were now recasting Bond as like a new debonair flashy Bond oh, again. But, but they're cool. not. It's Daniel Craig again. <sighs> I didn't Every even see the time last one. he makes one, he says it's going to be the last one, and then he just keeps coming back. And in interviews, he's like, I'm so tired. I'm just, my body hurts. Everything. I've been injured so many times. I, I, phys- I, yeah, I, physically, can't, I physically can't do it anymore. I'm in my 50s. I was in his 40s or something. I didn't know he was married to Rachel Weiss or Weiss, which is a and great, then, great and pairing. A producer said, Daniel, what if we gave you $22 million? I'll be right there. <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, and I want an extra million for each testicle. <laughs> oh, I was going to mention earlier when you were talking about uh, Dune that they did say that Timothy Chalamet is cast as a lead, though. That was news. I don't a while know who back. that is. He was the guy Timothy in that. Timothy Chalamet. He's got all his Oscar buzz because he was also in that movie about the uh, about falling in love with an older man with Army Hammer. Oh, sh- wow! I really misspelled Chalamet. That's French as shit. <laughs> it is. Uh, he's in a new movie right now uh, that, about being forced to go to a gay conversion camp. Um, he's going coming out the movie with uh, Steve Carell soon as well. He's like an up and coming actor. I, I do not recognize this kid. He's very puny and very young, so they're going very young with the character. But he's going to be the lead character of uh, of Dune, and, and that's one French ass name. <laughs> His first name Timothy is spelled all goofy too. Is it? <laughs> I didn't realize that. Timo- Timothez. Timothée Jolamet, the Dune Spice me flow. <laughs> spice. <laughs> Lady French Spice. Do, what do you got for nerd news this week? What? <laughs> Did you have a nerd news story already? Yeah, no, no, I didn't. Okay, I thought, I thought we were still talking about Timothée Jolamet. <laughs> okay, so. you could We could just keep doing bad French accents. I mean, nothing wrong with that. So my two stories are pretty short, but uh, I called it when people like to watch or not. So uh, first one is, according to Netflix, why they canceled the Marvel shows. It's kind of we're seeing a little bit of evidence of maybe why they were canceled beyond just Disney taking them. Uh, This could have been bullshit. They could have just taken them off this list. But anyway, so there's a list called shows we fell and binge with this year that Netflix released as a kind of fun graphic and it shows a list of uh, the shows that they um, that were the most binged. And it, there's a weird metric. They're saying highest average watch time per viewing session. So it's basically like 
which shows that people continue to watch in one sitting. So it doesn't say what okay. the most popular shows are. It's kind of weird. Um, but uh, none of the Netflix Marvel shows made that list, according to this list. So that could huh. be some evidence of it's just not getting the binge attention that it used to uh, when they first started. Or it did make those lists and they just took them off because they're canceled. So why bother promoting them kind of thing? That's true. Uh, but that's could be a reason because we're all so freaking worried about these shows because they were great. I loved all those shows. Uh, Iron Fist, not as much, but, you know, they're great. And yeah. the, the second part of that is what people like to watch is apparently women in the box office. Uh, so this okay. article I read on Nerdist today by Lindsay Romaine, uh, says, according to a report conducted by the creative artist agency and tech firm Shift 7, movies with female leads actually outgross male-led rivals at all budget levels. So the study compiled box office data from the 350 highest grossing films from 2014 to 2017 and broke them into five categories based on what it cost to get them made. The greatest gap in female versus male-led grosses was at the top tier, or movies that made over $100 million. The category okay. contains films like Wonder Woman, Disney's live-action Beauty and the Beast, and Star Wars films like Rogue One, and two episodic sequels, The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, which are also the third and 11th highest-grossing films of all time, respectively. Uh, and the last little part here, also factored into the report was the Bechtel test, which we've heard of, I think, um, uh, mm -hmm. Films that pass the test feature a female lead who speaks to at least one other woman about something other than a man. That's the Bechtel test. And the report found that since 2012, all films to pass $1 billion in global box office passed that test. So it shows the value of not only putting women in the lead roles, but also having women do things other than being a prop for men in the movie. Um, and it actually makes more money if you do that. So uh, it's kind of cool. I think that's a very good thing for the future. If they actually pay attention oh. to this and put women yeah. in lead roles more often. It's cool. It's trending that way. Yeah. I like it a lot. So that's my, what people will watch and what they won't watch. And that's nerdy news. All right. So I have no music to uh, go into our fish section that we're about to go into. Well, good. Cause I just called it fish thing. <laughs> fish thing. Everybody gets it a fish bowl. thing. Fish thing. Uh, so to get us in the Aquaman mindset, uh, I've got just some fish fun facts to share with all you. <laughs> uh, so there's a fish called the lungfish, and it can live outside of the water for years. Years? Yeah. Jesus. It sub submerges itself under the under the ground, and then it builds this mucus cocoon. Uh -huh. around it that traps in all of its moisture, and then it just lives in the moist ground and sticks like a breathing tube up. It has both gills and a single lung. That's like halfway between like what should have evolved. It's like a mistake. It's, so, it's creepy. Uh, so most fish's jaws aren't actually attached to their skull. They sit separate, unlike ours that are attached. Hmm. Uh, and so that is why a lot of fish have that ability to extend their jaw to catch prey. Oh, and like eat things that are bigger than their... Right, right, it's because it's not actually attached. Hmm. Uh, fishes don't grow new scales throughout their lives. The scales they have just keep increasing in size, and just like you can read the age of a tree by counting its rings, you can read the age of a fish by counting the by counting its scale pattern. Interesting. Would yeah, I've known that. Uh, so like ships that we make have heavy keels or these big heavy weights way in the bottom of the boat to keep them from tipping over. Keep the center of gravity really low. 
keeps the boat from 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 tipping. Uh, most fish, it's the exact opposite. Their heavy parts are up top, and then their belly and their lighter inner parts hang down. Really, it's their the side fins that keep them upright, and that is why when they die, fish flip over. Oh, so they're basically made wrong. Yeah, basically. <laughs> More evidence for there being no God. That's right. <laughs> um, so that's why, because their bellies are lighter, their bodies are heavier, and so they go belly up. Interesting. Uh, and then hagfish are these, ter- these terrible fish that look like eels. Yeah. Uh, and they produce their, their defense mechanism, their everything mechanism, is they produce slime. Ugh. Thick, mucusy slime, like the worst snot you've ever seen. And the Atlantic hagfish can make so much of this slime that in a minute it could fill a bucket. A single hagfish in a minute could produce enough slime to fill a bucket. That's disgusting. They are absolutely disgusting. Well, that's some some fun fish facts to get us into the Aquaman mindset. Well, I actually have a couple more fish facts. I just watched the Adam Ruins Everything on uh, restaurants, and there's a small section on fish, which is fascinating. that typically when you're eating a fish in a restaurant, you're not usually eating the fish that they say is on the menu. Um, and the fun reason for this, they brought a marine biologist in who's actually his father. The actor's father was a marine biologist, like very noted in his field. Um, and he said that we have so many billions of kinds of fish in the world. And so it's silly to think that we just have grouper and um, you know, whitefish and tilapia. So they just get lots of fish and the ones that kind of resemble the ones you're familiar with. They put that as that fish. <laughs> so when you're getting grouper, you're getting might be getting a variety of things. You don't even know what you're getting. Um, often the cool thing about salmon, which you normally think of as pink when you get it, um, only wild uh, salmon are pink because they eat this kind of krill that turns them pink. So yeah, they eat pink fish. Exactly. And it's kind of like, you know, they say about the flamingo turning pink because he's lots of shrimp or something, which isn't actually true, I don't think. Uh, but this is, in this case, it is true. Their meat is pink because they eat so much of this pink krill. So farm salmon that we need to farm in order to produce so much of it that we eat all the time is gray. It's not a very attractive color. Because so, they, they feed it pellets and meal and stuff. Exactly. They make it fat and produce a lot of it. And so they dye it. And that's why salmon is actually more expensive. It's actually pretty cheap to produce. But the process of then having to dye it pink and then put it out to, to be eaten is more expensive. So you pay more for salmon than you would for like tilapia or something. Um, Guys, just get over it and buy your gray salmon. Yeah, and that, that's why I buy the cheapest fish I can buy in the store. Tilapia typically is what it is because it's trash fish. There's tons of it. I know exactly what it is, and it's fine. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> you don't need to buy expensive fish because who cares? Yeah. So that's uh, my little tidbit I got there for you. Yeah. And now we're going to get into some Aquaman. But before we do that, Aquaman. we get to hear the Aquaman cartoon intro. Aquaman, swift and powerful monarch of the oceans, with ability to summon and command all creatures of the deep. Aquaman, who with his teenage ally, Aqualad, guards and defends all that lives in the seas against the forces of evil. Aquaman, king of the seven seas. Aquaman, why does he say it like that? Because he's never, ever seen the water before. Aquaman. <laughs> he's from the middle of nowhere, Ohio, and he has never seen the ocean. But hey, you got that gig, so good for him. 
So we're going to go through a little bit of history here of Aquaman. Um, Aquaman. <laughs> and now Steve and I knew nothing about Aquaman before this happened. Uh, so we just kind of um, wanted some little deep dive, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because someone mentioned, uh, I forgot it was a podcast or an article that said, can every podcaster please leave out of their show notes or the description of their episode the term deep dive? Because apparently they use that all the time. And so, but we're using it appropriately uh, this time because it's Aquaman, man. Yeah, we're using it in like a pun-based sense. This is all right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Aquaman was made by Paul Norris and Mort Weisinger in 1941. It debuted in 1941. Uh, so it's a long ass time ago. He's been around for a long time, and you remember the cheesy look with the orange, you know, and the the bikini and all that stuff. Uh, <laughs> he's changed quite a bit since then. So the short description here is: Aquaman is the ruler of Atlantis and the Earth's ocean, an Atlantean with incredible strength and speed, as well as the ability to command all sea life. His unique physiology allows him to survive on land and at the ocean's greatest depths at, of pressure and temperature. Given the names Orin through his royal heritage and Arthur Curry by his human upbringing, he fights to protect both worlds using his mighty abilities and political influence. He's a founding member of the Justice League of America. So the original short story about how he's, uh, his origin, basically, was that he was born of a human, Tom Curry, who's a light housekeeper in Maine, and a woman named Atlana. And he has all these crazy abilities that, that they don't understand. But then when she dies, she admits on her deathbed that she's the queen of Atlantis. And that's why he has all those powers. And that one day he will inherit the rule of the seven seas. So that's kind of the basis. And we see that in the trailer for the movie coming out. Yeah. Well, actually, his his original origin was very different. Yes. And, it and wasn't more complicated. He, <laughs> he got bought up by Action Comics and they like redid it to what was pretty much what you just said. Oh, OK. So there's a. That's what I was thinking you were talking about. The next thing is that when they rebooted it uh, later on, the Crisis of Infinite Earths, so I think it's the 90s, um, it got way more convoluted. Um, so this is, I well, guess, no, no, his no. third so in the, in the Yeah, this is like the third or fourth reboot for him. Right, I didn't know about that. He was the son of a, a famous underwater explorer, basically like Jacques Cousteau. Oh. He says, if I said the name, you would know it. Like, that's in the comic. So it's <laughs> a famous explorer. <laughs> Uh, his mother died and his dad like went insane and started studying the ocean. His dad discovered the famed underwater city of Atlantis and then somehow built an underwater house for them there. <laughs> Interesting. And through studying like the records and the glyphs and the science and the technology of the Atlantis, he's able to develop all these things that allow his son to like breathe underwater and be fast and agile and communicate with animals. Oh. Uh, and then that got completely, completely erased. <laughs> so Action Comics was, was bought was by his, DC? Uh, Action Comics, I think, became DC eventually. And that's when it changed? Before, um, no, it was when Action Comics bought it from, I think they were called Frontier Comics. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, more, more Fun Comics is what it was called. More Fun <laughs> that's Comics. That's terrible. <laughs> uh, and, then it, and then when it got bought up, they, like, they completely redid it. See, that's cool because we read different articles, so you got some of the more kind of historical perspective there, which is kind of neat. Um, yeah. But uh, so when they eventually rebooted him in Crisis of Infinite Earths, his origin changed a bit as well to where Atlana couldn't conceive with her husband, King Trevis. So she was impregnated in a dream by an immortal wizard named Atlan. Atlantis. Um, Atlan promised that she would have another son because two sons must always fight over control of Atlantis for some reason. Uh, but then Trevis, the king, finds out the son isn't his because he has blonde hair. And he's like, that's not my son. 
So he leaves it to die on the Mercy Reef, wherever that is, and he's raised by dolphins. <laughs> so I, I can see why the film didn't go with this. Like you do. Uh, and the dolphin, her name is like Prom, I think. Um, she would talk to him telepathically, of course. And he had a brother that was a dolphin, uh, adopted brother, and it's killed by fishermen. So then he, in the turmoil of his brother being killed, he's lost and he's found by um, uh, Tom Curry, uh, which gives him the name Arthur Curry. Right. Uh, so after growing up a little older, he spends some time in Alaska. He falls in love with a native woman named Keiko. Uh, she gets pregnant, but he has to fight a demon, so he gets distracted and leaves before he finds out that she's pregnant. Uh, he goes on to fight Poseidon's son, Triton, which gets him arrested and sent to hard labor in Atlantis, where Professor named Volko, teaches him to speak Atlantium while he's in prison. Um, but he escapes when he finds out that his mother, Atlanta, Atlanta, <laughs> Atlana, had died. Because in this one, she hadn't died yet. Um, so he then meets his first superhero, the Flash, who names him Aquaman at a press conference. So the Flash comes up with the name in this, uh, this version of things. Uh, that's when the name is born. Uh, so when he returns to Atlantis at that point, uh, the professor who taught him Atlantean, Volko, had led a, re- a revolution. Uh, so then he's able to claim his birthright as the king of Atlantis. Uh, so the infinite crisis happens, but I think it's even later on. I think it's uh, early 2000s, maybe, maybe mid 2000s. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they scrapped all that crap and went back to the original story of where Atlanta at Atlanta and Tom Curry had him as a baby. Um, and then he first joins the Justice League when they do this uh, at that point or some it's confusing when this goes back and forth the, the article was very confusing but at this point he joins the justice league after um an alien race called the apalexians attack and he needs they need his help so he joins justice league and he eventually finds this abandoned youth and trains him to become his sidekick named aqualad which is a terrible name <laughs> aqualad um after this he meets mira or mera the queen of the dimension aqua and they marry and have a kid Arthur Curry Jr., also known as Aqua Baby. That is not a joke. <laughs> it is actually called Aqua Baby. Because <laughs> it can float That's around awful. and swim, and it's, you know, powerful. Uh, he, incur- he encounters his first arch nemesis soon thereafter called Black Manta, who appears to be in the movie. Um, they don't show much of him in the trailers. Um, who often attacks Atlantis with other villains like Captain Demo or Demo. And then there's the Ocean Master, who is actually Orm, his half-brother, but he doesn't know this yet. And Orm is in the movie played by Patrick Wilson. Right, um, that is that is being covered. Right, and so I didn't know, though, his name eventually becomes Ocean Master is his, like, villain name. Ocean Master. Um, and also there's there's weird things about uh, environmental stuff in the comics throughout the years, and also fishermen using dolphins to traffic heroin. That happens. <laughs> but the, so I think they kind of ran out of things to do in the water for comics. Um. But he eventually gives his crown to Volko, the guy who trained him originally and taught him Atlantean, uh, to become a superhero full time. And that kind of let him then join the Justice League and do more adventures outside of Atlantis and be untethered to that storyline, basically. So that was kind of helpful. Um, so then Black Manta eventually kills Aquababy. Some per- serious shit here. You know? son of a bitch. His child is killed, uh, further making him the big bad and the big villain that he fights all the time, along with Orm through several storylines. He fights him a lot as Ocean Master. Um, we eventually find out that his mother, Atlana, actually survived and is evil now and is working with Ocean Master to defeat Aquaman. Uh, Poseidon turns out to be a robot filled with the memories of his father, Tom Curry, for some reason. So he, he helps Aquaman yeah. fight them. <laughs> 
So Atlana is then turned good again by telepathy and stuff and decides to destroy herself along with her robot husband. And in her dying wish, she says Aquaman and Orm should get along. But she doesn't tell him that Orm is is his half-brother. Eventually, Mira uh, leaves Aquaman because she doesn't think they can love each other since their child, Aquababy, died. Uh, Mira slowly goes insane and then recovers and then returns to the Dimension Aqua. I think Mira is the one in the trailers, the blonde. I think that's what they made her into. Um, okay. Yeah, I forgot her name. She was married to Johnny Depp, whatever that actress's name is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that chick. She's, she's gorgeous. Um, Aquaman gets depressed when he learns that Ocean Master is really his half-brother. Then he gets in a fight and loses his hand and replaces it with a harpoon. So for a lot of the comics, he has a harpoon for a hand. Yeah, like or a hook or yeah, he puts it whatever it he was, wants. On it. it was a bionic hand for a while. Yeah. At one point, it got replaced by the Lady of the Lake. Really? I didn't see a, that. Okay. So it got replaced by the Lady of the Lake with <laughs> by a hand made out of water. Okay. It, it gave him the ability to like teleport and heal. The, his new hand like outranked all the powers he had up to that point. Yeah, it sounds badass. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, anyway, so around that time, he reunites with Keiko, the Native American woman who, or Native Alaskan, who he impregnated, but just left her and never came back and they never talked about her again. (laughs) And she shows him that he now has a fully grown son named Koryak, and she's really pissed at him for abandoning her. Uh, But Koryak goes off with his father and he leaves Keiko again, just abandon her again. Um, and his son Koryak becomes king so that Aquaman can continue being a superhero and gallivanting around, ignoring his females in his life. Um, Aquaman starts to get it on with a female character called Dolphin. And I was really confused that they were saying he was having sex <laughs> with the dolphin. <laughs> and I was like, what? He's fucking a dolphin? But it's a character called Dolphin. Uh, and right when he's about to have sex with her for the first time, Mira comes back from her depression and fugue and walks into them actually having sex. Um, she had been brainwashed by the doppelganger of Aquaman called Thanatos, and she had a son by him called AJ. Just AJ. <laughs> I don't know why he's called AJ. <laughs> Thanatos is killed by uh, others after battling Aquaman, and him and Dolphin go on their way and leave Mera with, you know, their own devices again, abandons her again. He's really bad with women. Um, Aquaman, or Aqualad, gets trained by somebody and becomes Tempest, which is a much cooler name. I'm thinking as time went by, they were like, Aqualad sounds so lame, we have to change this character's name because no one cares about him. Um, so he becomes Tempest. He's more powerful now. Uh, somehow they bring a big sea battle to the White House at some point. Somehow. I don't know. That happens eventually. Uh, like Aqu- you do. Like you do. Eventually, Aquaman fights a Leviathan, which is this legendary, huge, godlike creature in the ocean, and gets injured and mutated, uh, goes soul-searching, gets healed, and then fights Poseidon's son Triton again to gain back the title of King of Atlantis. So he goes back to being king for a while. Uh, Dolphin leaves him, the character Dolphin, not Dolphin he fucked, um, to... (laughs) (laughs) It gets better every time. Because he went soul-searching for a long time and got mutated, so she went, got lost interest, and then started having sex with his sidekick, Tempest, who used to be Aqualad. So his girlfriend left him and started screwing his sidekick. Um... Triton, oh, man. Brutal. <laughs> Triton rebels against his father Poseidon, so Poseidon kills him and then gives Aquaman his trident. So then he gets he gets uh, Triton's trident. Uh, both Aquaman's sons eventually fight him for power because he's not a very good dad either. He's terrible. Um, AJ is forgiven and becomes Aquaman for a while, while Aquaman goes back with Mira for a bit. Uh, Koryak tries to take power and is stopped and is just forgotten. Uh, Tempest gets Dolphin pregnant 
uh, this is Aqualad gets Dolphin pregnant, and this helps Mira and Aquaman reconnect. She's like, okay, you're really done with Dolphin now because she's pregnant with Tempest's kid. Uh, in Infinite Crisis, he makes a deal with the sea gods that they'll save the Earth, and he becomes a weird creature called the Dweller of the Depths, and he gets all mutated and weird-looking, and things get weirder from there. Uh, but then in the Brightest Day line of comics, he's returned to his regular form again. Um, uh, him and Mira are instructed by higher powers to find Black Manta's son, Jackson Hyde, who becomes the new Aqualad, which is kind of a slap in the face to Black Manta. It's like, you're my enemy. I'm going to make your son my sidekick now, which is pretty cool. Bam. Retribute. <laughs> exactly. Uh, when Aquaman is restored, though, he's turned into one of the elementals um, for a while to like become more powerful by the gods. And so he's the water elemental. Hawkman and Hawkgirl are the wind elementals. And Martian Manhunter okay. is the earth elemental. Uh, so they fight right. with the White Lantern Corps for a while as those forms. And then he's returned to his regular self again. And that's basically brings up to 2018. Kind of the quick abridged version of Aquaman. <laughs> wow. Did you get anything else cool from your article? I mean, mine was more uh, like history based and like where he came from. Uh, like he, he started out as a B side comic, like the back end of issue comic. And eventually in the fifties and sixties, starting to getting his own, set and then really came into prevalence with the super friends the animated show oh yeah yeah that's like the spin-off show that we played uh, the theme song but, for but that is also where the kind of ire against him grew because if he was depicted as very weak and almost like incompetent compared to some of the other heroes because <laughs> he just because of his because of his very limited ability right um and that's and that's been going on forever that the people have been making fun of Aquaman <laughs> and they did kind of rebrand his look for sure. Like he had in the nineties and stuff, he got, I think he got long hair and he was buffer and he had different costume. And um, so that made him a little more appealing, I guess. Well, and also they made him more the, like the whole ruler and protector of the entire sea thing was kind of another revamp point that made him a bigger character and a more important character. And I think uh, it helps that they cast this guy as the role. Um, Jason Momoa, just like as a big badass dude, you know. Um, and he learned to speak with sea creatures, and at first it wasn't telepathic. He literally talked to fish, <laughs> meaning meaning that sea creatures and fish couldn't hear him unless he was within like twenty feet of them and actually talking. So, right, like how much of a power is that really? I can speak with fish when they're near me. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty lame. Um, it did eventually become like telepathy. They did eventually evolve the power a little bit and then even more so later it's basically revamped that most sea life can't hold any sort of mental conversation with him so really what his telepathy is is he uses their internal senses to compel them to do things oh so he's not really having a conversation we're right but he's making them think like oh there's food over here where i need you to swim or this thing's trying to kill you so kill it we're exactly you got it so they, they kind of, it, that power has changed a little bit over the years. Interesting. Um, let's see what else did I have. Uh, he's had, out of nowhere, in one of his revamps, he got a sudden Achilles heel. Really? Yeah. Like, sudden Achilles heel that he has to touch water at least one time an hour or he'll die. Whoa. That's pretty big. R- right. Dumbest friggin' Achilles heel ever. Um. But eventually Batman designs him a suit that allows him to keep moisture in. And there's all these other things. And then in one of the revamps, I think you mentioned 
his backstory was changed. So he's not from the water. He found out about his powers later in life, kind of Superman style. Mm -hmm. So because of that, he doesn't have to touch water. They kind of wrote it out. Yeah, because if he wasn't born in the water, then he would have been out of the water for an hour plenty of times. Right. Well, someone realized how dumb that that rule was and decided to just write it out. (laughs) Good. Uh, He was one of the founding members of Justice League, as you mentioned. And then at one point when everybody, all the other Justice League members were like busy doing something, he ended in ended up in charge of like the B Justice League. Wasn't Justice League Detroit? I think it was. I don't know. All I know is that he like kicked out all the members and brought in new people and basically set new bylaws. Um, but yeah, he, he, so he was, he was in charge of the justice league for a little while, for a little while. I can talk to fish (laughs) and dumbest power. DC comics is notoriously convoluted. I mean, even more so in a way than Marvel because they created these multiverses. And so they had all these different versions of their different characters on top of the reboots that they've been doing. And so they had these crisis of infinite earth things twice where they tried to make it. So the, all the earths kind of combined to bring back all these multiverses back into one again and make things less complicated. And only recently DC rebirth, which is this new comic line uh, where they rebooted everything without uh, with a kind of cool explanation. Actually, the, they got the rights to um, what's the big blue guy um, in the movie? Uh, uh, smiley faces, big. the, the Rorschach guy. Oh, Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, Dr. Manhattan. What's that movie called? Oh, Watchmen. Watchmen. So they got the rights to Watchmen. And so what they did was um, they had Dr. Manhattan rewrite the universe into something more simple. And so the framing of this is that DC Universe was rebirthed because of Dr. Manhattan, which is pretty kind of cool. Um, and mm-hmm. that way they're able to reboot all of the characters in a more simplified way. And apparently it's gotten really good critical acclaim. They've actually done really well with it. And so DC's kind of back on track with their comics, not so much their movies. But uh, yeah, so that's pretty cool. They've, they've brought him back to being Aquaman's kind of cool nowadays-ish. Uh, but And the movie is getting pretty good reviews uh, so far. It's got 75% uh, Rotten Tomatoes from the early reviews from top critics. So that's pretty good. And there, most okay. of the reviews say, not a great film, but a lot of fun. And a great world that they okay. built. I'll take it. I'll right. take that. That's better than other other films, which weren't even fun. So <laughs> this one's actually actually good. And uh, did you have more to add to that? No, I mean I don't have of all of the the DC characters. He's probably the one I have the least social attachments to growing up, and the least cultural pop cultural attachments to growing up. It's hard for me to have an opinion about Aquaman, and that's kind of why I want to do this deep dive because. Uh, I really didn't know much about him because, yeah, we grew up with Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, The Flash. And past that, we don't really know much about the other DC characters. So I was like, let's learn about Aquaman. It'll be fun. And for our listeners, yeah. hopefully. Um, and uh, Aquaman, though he gets a lot of a lot of crap, uh, is actually pretty powerful. Now, mind you, it's because he hangs out with people like Superman and Wonder Woman that he doesn't seem that powerful. Right. Uh, but he can uh, lift uh, and press approximately two tons. Nice. Uh, he uh, has like superhuman agility and, and, and hearing and that sort of stuff, but he can swim super fast, incredibly fast, uh, which in the, from the comics they translate, he can swim up to 6,700 miles per hour, 
What? And in and in one of the comics, swam up Niagara Falls. Because <laughs> that's necessary. Because <laughs> that is something people do. It's like Aquaman. The stairs are over there. You could have just uh, okay. <laughs> um. So so he's got some talents. Just he hangs out with very talented people. Right. It's not really fair. Yeah, it's really not fair. That's accurate. But in honor of the movie coming out, we actually had the final trailer, which I had not seen up to this point, um, which has a lot of Willem Dafoe in it, which I didn't even know was in this movie. But I think he's playing what we talked about with the Volko character, the kind of the, yeah, the, the trainer. Yeah. Um, so this final trailer has a lot of him in it, and you'll hear it right now. Legend has it that one day a new king will come. Who will use the power of the trident to put Atlantis back together again? It's the exact spot that Volko gave me my first swimming lesson. I already know how to swim. Not even close. You have to forget all the teaching of the surface world. Go deeper. Uncover your Atlantean instincts. He spent his entire life training. My parents made me what I am. I am the protector of the deep. In this trident resides the power of Atlantis. In the wrong hands, it would bring destruction. But in the hands of the true heir, it would unite above and below. The time has come for Atlantis to rise again. You must stop it. And how do you propose we do that? By retrieving this. I already got one of those. Not like this one, you don't. The war is coming to the surface, whether you like it or not. Your mother always knew you were special. She believed you'd be the one to unite our two worlds. Atlantis was always had a king. Now I need something more. What could be greater than a king? A hero. I'm still upset about there not being uh, better um, themes for superhero movies these days. Yeah. Because they like don't treat soundtracks the way they used to. Because that's a great like inspiring music, but like there's no like it's not it's not like there's a theme from the friggin you know dresses league film right or the batman one before that that i can key in here and even there's the great music that marks whenever like wonder woman was on screen like it's like oh cool wonder woman's here that's cool music but i can't sing her tune you know like right i don't know it's like i can't go wrong exactly it just really frustrates me but it was good music good trailer um we should be being paid for all this advertising we're doing for their stupid film. but We should, <laughs> but we won't. Uh, so, yeah, Aquaman, I think you know what you need to know. If you will go see it, let us know how you, what you think about it. Yeah, let us know right in. Yeah, because I'm not going to go see it. <laughs> I'm going to see it. Okay, well, good. You let me know that. I will. So you had some right, fish think, trivia for us? I think that brings us to some fish trivia. <laughs> yeah. All right, German, I've got five trivia questions for you. 
that's the best I got. That was that was the perfect music to lead us in. <laughs> Go for it. All right. What fish does beluga caviar come from? Oh, I feel like I used to know this. Um I know it's not beluga whales. <laughs> uh, let's say uh, grouper. I don't know. It is sturgeon. Oh, well, damn. That's a big fish. It is. Speaking of big fish, what is the world's <laughs> largest fish? The world's largest fish is the whale shark. That is correct. Ooh, that's because I had one in my aquarium in Atlanta that I went to a lot. <laughs> uh, up to 60 feet long. It's actually still a fish. What is the most popular seafood in the United States? Uh, that would be shrimp. That is correct. Yeah. <laughs> All right. How many pounds per pounds of seafood per capita does the average Japanese citizen eat yearly? many pounds yep in the average year what does the average japanese person eat in fish uh 300 pounds i mean wow that was a good i mean that was a little bit overshot 95 pounds on average <laughs> i just figure like i can eat a pound of fish a day so if that's 365 days a year i can eat 300 pounds of fish all right here's your last question all right you've gotten three th- three so far pretty good yeah better than usual okay how far can a flying fish fly Five feet, 20 feet, or 50 feet? Uh, I'll go with 20 feet. That is correct. Woo! <laughs> Man, your fish trivia is up. You just got four out of five, buddy. That's never happened before. <laughs> I mean, you've certainly done worse. <laughs> I've done a lot worse. <laughs> Much worse. Yes, you have. Uh, well, I think that takes us into some trailer reviews. Trailer reviews. Here at A Play on Nerds, we have spent years refining our exclusive trailer rating system. At the low, low end of the scale, we have Burn It, where we think you should find every copy you can get your hands on and throw it into a barrel fire. To burn it, Fahrenheit 451 style. And second from the bottom, we have We'll See. Maybe the trailer was too short. Maybe it was cut oddly. Or maybe we don't know what the hell we just watched. Eh, we'll see. Up next, we have Give It a Buck. Whether you hit a red box, a dollar movie theater in the bad part of town, or a cheap online rental, give this movie a buck and enjoy it without breaking the bank. And at the top of our rating system, we have Shut Up and Take My Money. The wallets have been charmed out of our pockets, and we are ready to make our hard-earned cash disappear. And that's our patent-pending trailer rating system for A Play on Nerds. All right. Uh, what we got first? So first, let's talk about uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Trailer two. With like the real Hello? the real trailer. Right. Is anyone there? Senators, we believe that these titans are just the tip of the iceberg. Which of these titans are here to protect us? And which of these titans are here to threaten us? So you'd want to make Godzilla our pet? No. We would be his. 
You're sure he's gonna be okay? They're everywhere. Battling for dominance. A rival alpha to Godzilla. You gotta be kidding. So that was very short because most of that was just roaring and explosions. Just, yeah, just noises. Yeah. <laughs> so I cut a lot of that out. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I'm excited for this. I like kind of the premise they've set up that, you know, in the last film, Godzilla woke up effectively to deal with this, these two evil bugs. But now him waking up has drawn other things that are going to come challenges rule. Right. And I that was neat. I wrote in the note that I've we've had to. Uh, disagreement, Stephen and I, about uh, big uh, battle movies like Transformers and uh, Pacific oh, yeah. Rim. I love them. Which love them. They just bore me. But then I've realized that big monster movies actually are fun to me for some reason. I think it's maybe because they're they have personality and I care about them battling. Like um, I like King Kong. I like Cloverfield. I like the other Godzilla films, even the old one from the 1990s. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I enjoy them. So this this actually seems appealing to me. I'm like, oh, cool. Monsters fighting big monsters. The graphics look fantastic. It's going to be a giant fight. Fe- I think they're really getting more into just getting into the battles, too, and not caring too much about the characters, which actually is a good thing. Cause, yeah, I, I like that they kind of confirmed a few more big monsters. We know that Mothra is going to be in it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, King Ghidorah, the big three-headed dragon thing, is in there. That thing looked crazy. Uh, Rodan, who's like a flying fire pterodactyl thing. <laughs> uh, there's quick frames that people are theorizing are two or three more monsters that they're just not showing us yet. Right. It's like a giant battle Royale. Right. Uh, I'm stoked. I'm stoked to just watch some big epic battles. Do you think King Kong will be in this one? As yes, a but only, only in like the end credits. Right. Like a cameo. Yeah. I just don't. I just can't imagine that they would pull him in here. Right, be they're going to save that. Well, they'll do a King Kong movie, and then the third movie will be Kong versus Godzilla. Maybe I think even maybe the that'll next be, one will that'll be, be the next Godzilla film. I think the next one should be King Kong and Godzilla after this one. I think Kong could get another solo film. That's that's true. They got to milk it for all it's worth. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. They got to build these things up. I gotta make their money because I love the line they put in the old the the first Kong movie in this universe. They said um, he's just um, a, basically a youth, like he's he has much more to grow. He's not even like as big as he'll be because people were saying, "Oh, he's not right. nearly as big as Godzilla," but like, "Oh, but he will be." He's just young at this point. That was a great True. little throw-in line to make it make sense how he'll be the same size as Godzilla. Um, but I'm gonna give this a give it a buck. I'm not gonna go see it in theaters because I've got a child, so I don't have those luxuries anymore. Uh, but I, I will, when I can get this at home, I will. Uh, I'm going to say shove and take my money if I can, because I would love to see this in the big screen, the spectacle and that'd be true. Awesome. It's kind of, it's that kind of movie, right? It's one of the ones you want to see on screen if you can. So yeah, shove, take my money. Right. So now we so, go on uh, to, uh, Avengers four Endgame. Stay on. Hey, Miss Potts. If you find this recording, don't feel bad about this. Part of the journey is the end. Just for the record, being adrift in space with zero promise of rescue is more fun than it sounds. Food and water ran out. 
four days ago. Oxygen will run out tomorrow morning. That'll be it. When I drift off, I will dream about you. It's always you. Thanos did exactly what he said he was going to do. He wiped out 50% of all living creatures. We lost. All of us. We lost friends. We lost family. We lost a part of ourselves. This is the fight of our lives. This is gonna work, Steve. I know it is. Because I don't know what I'm gonna do if it doesn't. Hi, uh, is anyone home? This is Scott Lang. We met a few years ago at the airport in Germany. Got dropped really big. Is this an old message? Ant-Man? Ant-Man, I know you know I know you know that. That's the front door. That's me. Can you buzz me in? So what'd you think? Um I mean, I'm I will go see this movie. Like this is definitely a show to take my money. I've got no doubt about that. Of course. The, there's too much writing on this film. I'm excited to see what they do with it. You know, I'm excited to see who saves Tony. Like I, I think this is eh, this is the film I've been waiting for. Oh, that's true. Maybe Captain Marvel will save Tony. I think I see Captain Marvel. I'm trying to think who else we know that's like out in space currently. Gamora's out there, but she was already with Tony. Not Gamora. Um, yeah, I think Gamora's dead. No, not Gamora. Um, her blue sister. What the hell's her name? Uh, Sephora. I don't know. <laughs> I yeah, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, though. I do. Blue bald, blue bald sister uh, was already out in space, but they were already together on that planet. Right. So I, I don't know, but I'm, I'm excited. I think it could be Valkyrie and the half of Thor's people that got away. That'd be great because we need Valkyrie again. Right. Valkyrie come back and then you get uh, Korg back to uh, the, the big rock guy. Possibly. Yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do his accent at um, all. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I'm excited. I'm so excited. And more so, I'm excited to see what they kick off. What do you mean kick off? So in the most recent Captain Marvel trailer, which we, we almost did, um, there's a new one where they really they flesh out the, the Kree and the Skrull. That's right. And it becomes clear that like, that's, what this, that's the next part of this. So I'm excited to see who makes it out, who retires, who dies, what young heroes they bring in. Because this will also, aside from shutting down this portion, is clearly going to set the stage for whatever the next chapter is. Right, new heroes, everything else. A new phase, a new phase of Marvel begins. And I'm excited to watch this transition because the first, what, two phases, three phases of Marvel have all been leading to this. And I really think that Cap and Tony Stark should die. That's my opinion. If they don't, I think it's cheap. Uh, and I like, think they Cap want to be out of it anyways. I think I've maintained. I think Cap may live but retire. I think Tony will die. Yeah, that's fair. I can see that. That's really my belief. So let's, uh, yeah, who knows? And obviously this trailer. said, oh, go ahead. My, my prediction, my prediction from like two years ago uh, or like a year and a half ago about Hawkeye. Absolutely correct. What was it going to, what was it again? 
was that he's that he's got to come back for this because some because his family got taken. Right, right. And we see this vengeful, broken Hawkeye, who's more of a show badass, up, killing people more left of a and badass. right. Um, I think it's funny and becomes clear that like Ant Man is going to be the savior kind. <laughs> yeah, because they probably thought he was dead uh, with the snap, and then he appears because he came, comes out of the quantum realm, and he's like, "Hello, um, I'm here." But but I think he's going to be. I think Ant Man's going to be the key to everything, possibly time travel and uh, everything. Time travel, quantum realm, everything. I am so excited. This gets to show up and take my money. I will leave the kid, like just just in a in a room somewhere, <laughs> probably with an adult. We'll just leave her and we'll go watch this for a few hours. And I think in about three months we'll probably get a much more fleshed out trailer because this one obviously had no action sequences in it because there's they're not done with them yet probably CGI wise. So we had a lot of talking scenes. And a lot of like slow motion stuff, and yeah, a lot of ominous looks. And that yeah, kind of stuff. we'll get more of that later on. But it was a great first trailer. I enjoyed it. Oh, I'm so excited! So excited. And that brings us to some Shut radical recommends. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend Pleasant. All right, so I'm going to give it a radical re-recommend. Oh. Uh, because I think I talk about this maybe on one of our first Radical Recommend segments, however long ago that was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the show is happy with oh. an exclamation point. And it just got the first season just got added to Netflix. And I rewatched it and just re-fell in love with the show. Wasn't it on Showtime first or something like that? It was on some channel that it was hard to get access. Right. To. I didn't have it before. Now it's on Netflix. There's no reason not to check out Happy. I highly recommend it. It is, it's strange. I'm not going to lie to you. It's weird, but it is so good. Like a contract killer who almost dies, but now sees like an imaginary unicorn that is like a cartoon. Kind of. So yeah, it's about a guy who's an ex cop who's now, uh, you know, a a bad guy for the mob who, whose daughter who he didn't know about is kidnapped and she sends her best friend and imaginary friend happy to go find her dad to come rescue her. And it's the guy um, from uh, law and order SVU. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, he is, he is the best part of the show. Um, great. I hate saying this great violence, just like good, big, almost comic y kind of violence. Broad. Uh, it, it, it's, you know, him in a very real dark mob situation with weird supernatural kind of things going on because it becomes apparent very early that happy is real oh, in some way in some <laughs> it's happy is not just in his head. Hmm. Um, and it, and it flavors the whole thing and gives it a really interesting feel that I can't say has really been captured anywhere else. Well, I'm down to watch it now. Yeah. Now that it's on Netflix, there's no reason not to check out. That's my re recommend for happy. Very nice. Um, I thought you were going to re-recommend Big Mouth Season 2 because uh, that just came out and it's really good. It's oh, yeah. Really also good. that. <laughs> yeah. Did you watch that already? Oh, yeah. It's yeah. been out for a couple months. It was great. A month great. and a half. So my radical recommend is uh, I saw two movies, I think, since we last talked. I don't know if we talked about Creed 2 uh, last time. No, we didn't. Okay. So I saw Creed 2 and it's everything you would expect. Uh, very similar feel to the first one, Creed 1. Uh, you know, you get the fight between... Uh, Dra- Drago, Ivan Drago's son and Creed. That's in the right. previews. Not giving anything away. 
Uh, but they do things in unique ways. They don't go exactly where you expect at first. And it's, but then eventually it does follow the formula of like every um, fight movie ever. It all hits all the beats that you'd expect. Uh, but right. it's still really good, uh, really enjoyable. And apparently Stallone says it's going to be his last film playing that character. So, But we'll see. Yeah, that, that was my nerd news, I think, last week. Right. The last time we recorded was. <laughs> is that, he, that in a picture taken on set, he announced that he was retiring from the role of Rocky. And if you see the movie, there's a good button to it. So you'll you'll see it's it's, it's worth it. Um, also, I'd recommend Widows is the other movie I saw. Uh, okay. It's directed by uh, Steve McQueen, which is that old actor's name, but uh, it's also a new director uh, who's doing a lot of good stuff recently. Um, but he did Widows, and it's um, basically with Liam Neeson and uh, the guy who plays Punisher, John Barenthal, and a few other actors you'd recognize. You think the movie is going to be about them being this squad of people who rob banks and stuff, but then they all die immediately. And that's in the preview. It's not giving anything away either. And so basically right. the, the Widows of this... Um, this you know, giant uh, group of thieves uh, have to go on to do the, uh, one last job that their husbands were going to do um, because they they owe this mob boss money. Basically, it's more complicated than that, but it's not an action movie you would expect. It's actually a drama and lots of action, really well done. Some badass scenes. Um, it's just something really worth seeing. Not getting a lot of attention, uh, but something like that could win an Oscar on top of being an action movie. It's one of those kind of things, like Heat or something. One of those really good. Um, okay. Dramatic action flick. So definitely recommend to Widows and uh, uh, okay, recommend to Creed 2. So now yeah, we have good. our thank you section and copyright be damned. Here's the music. Thank you for being <laughs> I don't care. So wait, if we talk over it, does it count? I don't know. Maybe. We talk the entire time that this thing is playing. The algorithm can't find it. Yeah. their algorithm find it? Fuck their algorithm, right? That if you slowed it down by like 15 or 20 percent, in a that, that they could find us or no? <laughs> I don't know. So right, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens this time. This week we have a email from longtime listener um, and ex-podcaster uh, Paul Wright, aka Furbob. Uh, he used to be on the Ten Forward podcast, co-hosting, and then he did the Sci-Fi Waffle podcast with our good friend Sean Vanderloo. I'm hoping he comes back to podcasting eventually when life calms down a bit. But um, anyway, great email from him. It starts off thusly. Hey, Jarman and Steve, I was listening to your latest episode and thinking I should really write to these guys and thank them. So I did. Then two weeks later, I find this email in my drafts folder, which I had forgot to send. I wondered why you guys never mentioned it in your show. Rolls eyes. I listen, <laughs> I listen to your show every week, and the reasons for this are as follows. One, you guys are easy to listen to. Your laid-back, unoffensive manner makes your show a pleasure to listen to, and I still get excited when I see a new episode is dropped into my podcatcher. Number Wait, two, unoffensive. <laughs> We're not total dicks, I guess is what he's saying. <laughs> I've heard some podcast like that Joe Rogan podcast. I can't listen to it because he's just such an ass. I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> number two. The research into your show is great. I'm glad he said that this time because we actually did research. <laughs> yeah, we did some stuff. <laughs> Uh, you manage to come up with new and interesting material each week, which is no mean feat. This mix with the regular features makes the show feel familiar, but different at the same time. Number three, you have kept going with this podcast through thick and thin and thinner. You have kept going for many years and many more episodes with a hardcore group of listeners. There are no tricks or gimmicks to try to gain new listeners, which would lose the regular listeners. Number four, 
we've tried a few tricks and gimmicks. <laughs> I mean, ish. Not, let's we've we've done some shameless cross promotion kind of stuff. <laughs> but we aren't that creative or that we don't put much effort into getting more gimmicks out there, I guess. No, no, no. <sighs> uh, anyways, number four. You constantly engage your listeners by name dropping them in the podcast. This always geeks me out and makes me feel valued as a listener. Well, I'm glad to hear that, Paul Wright for Bob. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you, Paul Wright for Bob. <laughs> Number five. Lastly, I love the way you let everyone know what you've been up to, as it makes me feel like one of the gang. Most of the time I listen thinking, yep, I watched that show or film as well. I love the D&D updates as well, although I have only played it ever once. I love the idea... Uh, Paul- Paul Wright for Bob. Check out Dungeon World. There Paul you Wright go. For Bob. <laughs> I love the idea of an RPG where people actually meet up offline. Yeah, it is better than video games because you actually get social interaction, which is great. Uh, so thank you for being our friends. Oh, wait, I can't say that now. <laughs> Can I? <laughs> he says. <laughs> That's funny. You're going to get us in trouble, Paul Wright for Bob. <laughs> keep up the great work for as long as you keep doing the podcast. I will keep on listening. It sounds like a cliche, but I really do look forward to your episodes, and I do say yes with a fist bump when my podcatcher pings the new episode of A Play on Nerds. Many thanks, and keep up for as long as you want to. Paul Wright, Furbob. That was just uh, so thanks, friggin' nice. See, what we, I, what I want to know, what's always astounded me, is why do we have so many British listeners? <laughs> I think Paul it's just Wright, that can our... You, can you explain this to us? Do our, I'm convinced that we fill some sort of American culture kitsch. <laughs> I don't know, but we get uh, hundred to two hundred downloads per episode ish, depending on the episode. Sometimes up to three hundred to four hundred if they're more popular topics. So they can't all be British, but the most vocal ones we have are, are these oh, British yeah, listeners. All, all the fans we know are our British listeners, and we have these. We have like almost over two thousand subscribers now, which I'm like, who are these people? And they're not all downloading them every time. Maybe they're streaming or something. But we have. I don't know who they are, but. The most vocal, the ones we value the most are in Britain, and we're okay with that. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and I've met and Paul Wright in person. And so you, great. Ian Cohen. <laughs> yes, and Ian Cohen and my and our mothers, respectively. And Ryan at Positive Positively <laughs> I haven't heard from him in a long time. I really hope he's okay. Please come back, Ryan. We're all worried about you. <laughs> my mother actually recently said, oh, I started listening to your episodes again. Uh, I wish you wouldn't talk about drinking so much. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. What do you mean? I don't, I don't realize what? I talk about it that often, but I guess I do occasionally. You tell your mom, maybe there was like a specific episode she listened to, but you don't talk about drinking. I think it's because much. I went to a, like two weddings and a bachelor party and like, a, yeah, I, I did drink there. <laughs> I don't know what to tell yeah, you. I mean, Karen, those are the socially acceptable places to drink. So yeah. I was talking I, about, I well, yesterday I when know. I was on a bender, uh, that was... <laughs> <laughs> If anything, you should be worried about the meth use that doesn't end up on the tape. That's true. We try to talk about that too often, but my teeth are falling out, so it's a problem. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but thanks, Paul. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, it. Paul. That was super sweet. Thank you, Paul. Thank you to all of our listeners coming back week after week to listen to us banter and talk about almost nothing, really. <laughs> uh, keep on coming back for it. We will keep on giving it to you as your nerdy co-hosts. Thanks again, Internet. Stay nerdy, my friends. You were recording, right? Of course. (laughs) Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. Find all of this content and even more nerdy news, reviews, and fun at www.aplayonnerds.com.
www.thebigshowradio.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so you know the exact second we release new podcasts, articles, and other nerdy content. We know you're impatient. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, Buzzsprout, Podomatic, and whatever the hell else you use. Also, please leave us a rating and review on your chosen podcast platform so we can be discovered by even more nerds like yourself. However you do it, check us out. And how... 